0: This is episode number 219, How Do You Respond to Change? with Casey Berman. Welcome, my name is Oleg Loheed, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you, to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming event called Survive to Thrive attitude of gratitude. This is a two weekend experience where we'll be exploring the concepts of different ways to develop resilience with gratitude, grieving with gratitude, and ultimately exploring the whole mindset behind what it means to be grateful and what life looks like without this larger concept of being grateful. If you would like to more details about these upcoming experiences, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you will be able to find the full agenda as well as all of the speakers and facilitators who will be taking part of this particular experience. The second announcement that I would like to make is this. If you enjoyed any of the previous episodes or if this is your first time tuning in and you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google So more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now let's get back to the show. There he is, Casey. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. No, I'm I'm happy that we're able to have this conversation and always grateful for an opportunity to reconnect with you and I. And, you know, as I mentioned, I think you and I have only known each other for half a year, maybe a year. I, it definitely feels like a lifetime. <laughs> I do.
1: We were introduced. We had a great phone call. I think uh, you know last year, mm-hmm. and uh, I was with the family, and I broke away to to you, and I had a call, and I mean, we just we just hit it off. It was great. So
0: yeah, it's always amazing to me when you're able to connect with other people like that, <laughs> just yeah. around life. I, I I remember bits and pieces of that phone call, and we probably. Covered every single topic that there is to cover yeah. on the face of the earth. But yeah. having those conversations, like for me, that fuels me. You know, yeah. it, it fuels me, it allows me to understand that there are, there are other people in this world who think alike, but also there are other people who can challenge you in your own thoughts and in your own perspectives. And I think this whole topic of change and how does one respond to it, I couldn't think of a better time to have a conversation around it yeah. than now, considering what. Many of us have experienced globally, you know, those of us living in Texas experienced as early as last, (laughs) as last week. And I figured that the best way that we can maybe even approach this conversation is to dive into the initial question itself. Mm -hmm. And that is, how do you personally respond to change? It's a great
1: question. Olga, thanks for all the work that you're doing. I'm honored to be involved with it. And just want to say that you are a a change maker in a positive way and just just keep it up. And I'm here to help, as you know. So how do you respond to change? This is a seemingly innocuous question. (laughs) Change, but It's important. And there's interesting words here, which is respond. Uh, I know in the write up there was resist was a word and then there was Mm -hmm. change. And so if we define some of these before we before we go in, I mean, what is change really besides the 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 spare quarters? And if anyone uses real cash now, besides the spare quarters in your pocket, (laughs) you know, the other form of change is that things are different, that it's evolving that it's not like it was a second ago or a minute ago. It's a loss. Uh, if you look, nostalgia, which is sort of the fondness for a past time, was mm-hmm. actually considered a disease, a psychological disease uh, in the in early 1800s. Napoleon, uh, many soldiers, uh, Napoleon soldiers would get nostalgic if they hear a song and you know, as nostalgic for home, um, some people fake nostalgia in order to get out of the army. But you can see that this idea of they don't like change and nostalgia really is, oh, wouldn't it be great if it was just like yesterday or last year or, or 10 years ago? And, and nostalgia is OK. It's nice to think about the past and enjoy it. But I think what that shows kind of in, in a negative way and maybe a non-beneficial way is this viewpoint on change. And so how do you respond to change? With this in mind, you can look at it like you can fight it or you can embrace it or become comfortable with it. And when you fight change, you're resisting it. Uh, You know, when you see, and, and the reason we resist change, literally paddling upstream, doing all of this work, the reason we resist change, in my opinion, is that we get a payoff from it. David R. Hawkins, a psychiatrist, and, and MD talks about this thing called the the cheap payoffs we get when we do things that are seemingly um, against our, our better self, when we get angry, when we get holier than thou, things along those lines. And that's what we get here is we get a payoff, sometimes a, a cheap payoff. So when we resist change, we get to be holier than thou. We get to say, I told you so, the world is a horrible place. We, <laughs> we get to have an identity. I am going to keep the fire burning. I'm going to keep tradition. Um, Maybe there's actual benefits from it. I mean, think about politicians who want to stay in office and resist the progressive movement. Not that the progressive movement is always great, but when you think about equal rights for people or helping the environment, I mean, Republicans or others or across the board who would oppose these things, who you maybe call stick in the mud, you would say to them, like, why are you doing it? Well, obviously, there's lobbyists, there's entrenched interests, there's things along on those lines. Democrats also resist change in their own way. They do across the board. Mm-hmm. So the reason we will fight change as one way to respond to it is because there's some sort of payoff. And when it comes to, forget the big level politics, when it comes to our day-to-day on a Tuesday or a Wednesday at 2 p.m. or 8 a.m., the reason we will resist change is most often is because we're afraid of it. Most often yeah. because we have to lose and shed some of our identity. Let me take, and I'll, I'll, I just want to say one thing about resisting, and then we can get into embracing mm-hmm. it. But when you and I had our phone call a year ago or so, when we got to know each other, I mean, you kind of like, I was blown away by that conversation. You and I connected. We had a great time. That was a change. It was a change for me. I'm older than you. Who's this young kid? Who's, <laughs> what's he talking about? You know, why am I really enjoying and inspired by this conversation? I easily could have said, eh, I don't have time. You know, who's this guy? I could have been intimidated by you. Like, whoa, he's doing things at his age. I wasn't even thinking about this. Um, I could have. And mm-hmm. that would have been resisting change, but um, I was open to it. And I had those thoughts. Who is this guy? And I was open to it, though. I didn't resist change. I think I embraced change with our conversation being kind of an innocuous, mundane example. And what that's done is opened up our friendship and the ways that we can collaborate. And and here we are. So I'll pause there. But the first way I think people respond to change is really by
0: fighting it, resisting it. Do you think part of that fight also comes due to the fact, and I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone because I'm really in no position to do so. But I'm wondering because this sense of security and comfort, it seems like it's almost ingrained in many of us, maybe yeah. all of us to a degree, where that change, I mean change oftentimes it doesn't come with the same sense of security and comfort. even right. though I think it's possible to find the sweet spot and find that security and comfort in the change. and I think that falls back more on like the mindset and your approach to it and how you embrace it and everything that you just described. But is would you say that's one of the thing one of the other reasons why change is not embraced as mm-hmm. just any other aspect of life?
1: Yeah, I, I do. And there's an irony in this world that we celebrate, particularly in America, how we've been programmed. And we've all been programmed. I mean, there's TV programming is called that for a reason. But there's an irony that we celebrate people who take risks, who do change. Think of the, the Elon Musks, think of Neil Armstrong, think of Richard Branson, think of all these entrepreneurs or, or explorers, but day to, and that's when they've made it, but day to day, minute by minute, hour by hour, when you're actually evolving and changing again on a normal Tuesday, on a normal Wednesday, we're beaten down to not change and consciously as well as subconsciously. And so one way we're, we're beaten down is we have prioritized uh, security and Mm -hmm. stability and if you think about row 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 your boat gently down the stream i mean if life is really a river what we've been taught to do is to turn upstream literally to fight the current that's how we're programmed no pain no gain money doesn't grow in trees hard work i mean all of this puritan ethic if you will that now has just become an, an american ethic or you know western ethic so all of this and why for security um or you know save up for a rainy day and i'm all for planning and saving up and having that i mean money is energy i'm all for getting as much energy and resources as as you can trust me i've <laughs> i've been there and taken risks and hasn't worked and and bid on on at at the uh at the edge right i've been there and and it's 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 not a great feeling but when something is not a great feeling it then is, you can look at it again, fight it, resist it, or you can welcome it and look at it as a way of, okay, how am I going to learn from this? How am I going to react to this? If the universe really has my back, if the universe and the world has my back, if I'm going to look at it that way, which some spiritual teachers teach us, um, and not just modern day self-help. I mean, Buddha taught this. Jesus taught this. If the universe really has my back, what can I learn from this? I can either look at the world as a prison and it's all mm-hmm. against me, or I can look at the world as a classroom, a good classroom, where I can I can learn from it. So I think stability and security and them being Prioritize and really in many ways over-indexed is in many ways the reason that we are afraid of change. I mean, imagine if the single-celled amoebas billions of years ago were afraid of change, right? They, <laughs> they never would have evolved. And then their ancestors never would have crawled out of the sea. And if you believe in evolution, they never would have Crawled out and and their fins turned into arms and and we never woulda would have been here. So um, I do think stability and security are extremely important. I have two children and a and a wife and a family here in San Francisco. I definitely need my comfort level. Don't get me wrong, but when you over-index them, you
0: don't you don't move forward. Yeah, and you almost compromise on the other areas. I mean, ch- with change, I, I can't say it's only with change that there comes opportunity. But I have realized throughout my own personal experience, it was about stepping into that. That's where I was able to see things differently or new things come up. Yeah. Opportunities, new people, new connections.
1: And look, I help unhappy attorneys to, to leave the law. I was an attorney. I always joke. I was a Jewish kid who didn't like blood. So I, I didn't go to medical school. I went to law school. That's about as critically as I thought of it. <laughs> I just... I you know I I wasn't into change I was just taking the beaten path I was making my parents happy I was doing what society wanted me to do and then I just you know my early 30s had this little voice and I started reading some books rich dad poor dad of all books mm-hmm. taught me what entrepreneurism was um and maybe not the most well-written book but definitely it it got me thinking about things and since then I've I've just moved on to on uh, other books and and other teachers and and um and so on and so for me you know, I've had a point where change has been difficult. I mean, I have literally abandoned career paths that could have been very lucrative, but I think would have been um, secure and stable in a way that wouldn't have really stoked a lot of other muscles or things that I wanted uh, to do in life. And and it's definitely tested me. So I've embraced change, or I think I embraced change um, in many ways while I was resisting it. And so it was kind of I was getting in the way of myself, had my foot on the accelerator, had my foot on the gas at the same time. And I think only now, I'm 47, only now, I think I'm really, and it doesn't need to take this long, but I'm really at a point of, or maybe it didn't take long. Maybe it took just the amount of time it needed for me. But I right. think I'm at a point where I'm able to really embrace change and get comfortable with it.
0: You know, there's something that you brought up previously that I wanted to touch upon, <coughs> which I think is a really important point. At least for me, it's an important point. And it's this whole concept of, choosing to look up at people who are, who are actively embracing change, like all the entrepreneurs that you mentioned, Steve Jobs and many others they can make the same list. And I'm curious to know why. Why do some of us do that? Is it because deep inside we know or some of us know that we have the same exact thing, but we just haven't found whatever that thing is, mm-hmm. the courage, the confidence to do that same exact thing Mm-hmm. Or is it is it jealousy? Like, what, what do you think is at the core of it all? Yeah, uh, it's a great
1: question. I think at the core of it all is our subconscious identity. So what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. So we have our conscious mind, which is working right now for us, which is Casey, look at the screen. Casey, do this, right? Don't do that. Um, We have our conscious mind of crossing the street or connecting with people over Zoom or doing work. And that really, scientists, particularly neuroscientists have said, that really covers about 5% of what we do. Our subconscious, which is kind of our autopilot. Think about the old example of getting in your car, And forgetting, not even remembering that you're driving and getting to your destination. We've all done that before, (laughs) right? All the time. (laughs) All the time. That's your subconscious. Your subconscious. And so your subconscious has been programmed by our parents. I'm doing it to my children right now for better or for worse, um, but our subconscious has has been programmed. And the I'll answer your question by why Steve Jobs does that by really answering why most of the people who, who don't do it, who don't embrace change. Mm-hmm. And that's because we have been programmed, whether from birth, um, nurture nature, whether or, or as we grew up, to um, resist change And what that really means is we have an identity of ourselves in a certain way that we're attached to. The Buddha said that main suffering comes from attachment. And while he said minimalism, he he didn't necessarily mean don't be attached to all the junk in your garage or your 800 shoes or anything like that, even though that's part of it. I think his point was not to be attached to certain outcomes, to things that need to be. Another way of saying that is, really the main way of pain in our life is that disconnect between what we expect and what happened. Right? So that's, Oh, I expected the food to be better. It's okay. Well, now all of a sudden that meal isn't a good meal and you're feeling bad about it. So when it, so many, so that's how we've been programmed anyways. And I think that people resist change because they have an identity that they are not a change, secure, welcome person. Okay. Um, And it may not be in those words, but they are the um, they're the leader. Mm -hmm. They are. I am a person who is a traditionalist. Um, I'm a person who, you know, I I value um, punctuality. Um, I'm a person who whatever your identity is subconsciously. So if you're someone who has an identity that's really attached to a certain way. Well, inherently you're saying, I don't want to change. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now you have someone like a Steve Jobs who, or, or even people in your own life who aren't as, as fancy or, or extended like a Steve Jobs who don't have that identity and it just comes easier for them. It's harder for other things. So even if you do have that identity, you can still change. You can become Steve Jobs. Your, your life isn't over. The, the first thing you need to do is shine a light on that that inner part to realize that's your identity, mm-hmm. face it,
0: and then say it's not beneficial to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And also, I think recognizing that it's possible. And decided. that's where I think the the Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or whoever it is that's personally how I look at humans. I don't know how you look at other people as well as you know your influencers and your mentors within your life. I look at them as individuals who are just one step ahead in whatever area it is that I'm trying to embark on. And I think the other thing that you pointed out that I wanted to touch upon, because I've been trying to figure this out for quite some time by myself, this whole concept of attachment. yeah. And in particular, I think what I've done relatively well to this point is I've been able to draw a line. Now that line kind of, you know, everywhere depend on the person, but I've been able to draw a line to things like physical possessions where I'm no longer as attached to them. But the people one is a lot harder for me. Yeah. And I think why that is, is because every single connection that I have, the connection of it of its own, it varies. You know? So I'm curious to hear from you how do you personally navigate through those waters when it comes to, let's say, a connection with your parent
1: mm-hmm. who
0: know who you know is not influence you in the way that you would like to be influenced in certain areas Mm -hmm. compared to your kid, your wife, and then your closest friends. I mean, for me, that's been the never ending journey. It's like, how do you understand that? How do you understand, okay, I'm attached to this person. And then you draw the boundary for what that attachment could look like moving Mm -hmm. forward. Like, what do you do personally in that?
1: Well, so you can say you're attached to someone. You can also say you're connected to them because if you're attached to them in a certain way, there's an expectation. Okay. You're, going to, you're going to expect something from them. I expect them to act a certain way. If they don't, I'm attached to a certain outcome. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't know, my kid's going to bed at a reasonable time last night, right? Uh, and I don't want them just to go to bed to go to bed, but I need to go to bed. I need to get up early. I've got something. You know, they're, <laughs> in, they're impinging on, on my routine, right? <laughs> and so when you're with someone, when you're attached to a certain outcome, whether it's with a certain person, whether it's with a certain business venture, whether... So what's going to happen is you're going to say, I need the, the power of your story to make it, I need leave law behind to make all my money. I want it in this certain way. Mm -hmm. And when you have that attachment to something, which I totally suffer from, I mean, to this day, I'm working through it right now. When you have that attachment to it, what it does is you're, it's actually ironically, um, holding it back. You're, you're not letting it flow. It's mm-hmm. kind of like you're, you're, you're squeezing, you're, you're just, you're, you're, you, you love your, your bird or your pet or whatever so much that you're just, you're squeezing it and you're almost, you're almost choking it. Right. Cause you, you just, and really what it comes down to is a lack of trust. Um, you feel that money or love or security is not reliable and it goes back to the programming. Um, something may have happened in the past you you may have these these moments and so how I am trying to do it and I'm making some progress now and I would encourage everyone to really look at the areas that cause this this pain and this status quo and this this rigidity if you will and to um, really shine a light on it and and look at it so for me I think with my business ventures I've in the past had A real attachment that it has to be this certain way. This business venture needs to make my money. And why is that? Well, I'm attached to a certain um, aura about myself. I'm attached Mm -hmm. to a certain image. I need to be an entrepreneur. I need to be in this way. It needs to happen this way, and so on and so forth. As opposed to being to the point of, look, I'm creating things. If it happens, happens. If it doesn't, great. Of course, I need to make money, and I need to pay my bills, and I need to have all of that. But if money or success or fame or connectedness is going to come into my life, I just want that. I'm really not concerned if it comes through this company or that company or that company. Um, Makes sense. I'm trying to get there. But it's really hard. You pour your time and effort into something, and to think that it may not happen this way, well, that can be a real downer. But you want to set that intention I hope it happens, and then kind of let it go. I mean, think about the intention I was setting a year ago Mm -hmm. um, when when Sajil introduced us, and you know, kind of just a phone call, just an introduction. But here, I was setting an intention. You and I came into each other's lives and had this phone call. Who knew? Who knew it was going to be that way? And now, this has opened up to me a lot of opportunities to you. But but there's an example of being open to things. I never said
0: yes, and I want this person to do a phone call on Wednesday, and we going to have a call at two o'clock, right? So. And I think it also goes back to the point of <clears throat> something that I've learned throughout my own journey. So I don't know if you've experienced this as well, but I've heard this many times that once you follow your purpose and your passion, money and all these other things just follow. I think to a degree there is a truth to that statement, but at the same time, from me and from my own journey, I think what it required was that continuous action. Mm-hmm. Same thing in your case. I mean, you could have said no to that phone call. You could have said you had other things to do, or you could have approached that phone call through a completely different type of energy. And I think the fact that you you choose to you chose to take action and I did the same exact thing, that's I think what's the thing the thing that made it possible. And so the thing that I wanted to hear from you as far as your own perspective, and especially as you are, you know, embarking on or have been doing this, this journey of yours, I'm curious to hear what do you think of when you hear that phrase, do what you love and money will follow. Yeah. So
1: for me, I remember the word passion and a few years ago, someone asked me what I was passionate about and I, I, it was, it was hard for me to answer it. You know, I'm passionate about my kids. I'm passionate. I think I have to say that, right? Uh, I'm I'm passionate. I'm passionate about uh, the uh, Golden State Warriors and San Francisco Giants and my sports teams. And, and of course my wife and family, but like, I don't, I don't really have a passion. And I think years ago that, that made put more pressure on me put more stress. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got my Sunday morning basketball games. Once, once we pick up again, I love those. Am I passionate? So when it comes to this idea of follow your passion, I will tell everyone, don't worry about passion. Don't worry about the P word. Um, Follow what you enjoy, follow what feels good for this idea of like, follow your passion, follow what you enjoy and the money will follow. I do think it will happen. What for it to happen though if you are, again, not connected with, the, let me put it this way. There are certain things that you need to work through first mm-hmm. for that to happen. Because, for example, if you are following your passion and doing something you enjoy, but you've been programmed against money like I was, mm-hmm. I had my own programming. I'm accountable for it. No one programmed me. I'm, I'm saying I'm accountable for it. Then money is going to not come to you. Money is an energy. This is all energy. The Matrix, the movie, is a documentary. It's not a real movie. It's not, it's not a fictional Hollywood movie. I mean, if you look at it as a documentary, we realize that it is, we're we are in a Matrix here. And, and that's okay. But Hollywood is talking about it. Just be open to the fact that this isn't reality. What do I mean by that? Even this table that I'm hitting, hit something hard. Even you know, look at your hand. This mm-hmm. is all just energy. You and I have talked about this before. It's all just energy. There's space, matter. At the end of the day, it's all just energy. And so, but some of it comes together. These atoms come together to to form something. So that's that's quantum physics, as as best as I understand it. And so, <clears throat> when it, it when when I look at kind of what's out there, I realize that I can manifest use all of these words to get the reality that I want. I'm going to hold myself back if I have a programming that is repelling what I want. So what's an example of that? An example of that maybe let's talk about money that uh, you know money doesn't grow on trees, that I feel money it's not re- I don't trust it. To go back to our point, if I feel that money isn't reliable And really look at how you feel about money. This is something I've had to do and I continue to do. And be honest about it. And I have had a viewpoint in life of that money isn't reliable. It doesn't come to me. Um, It's hard to get. And then I shifted this take just recently and I said, wait a minute. Money is reliable. Look at the money I've made as an employee um, and, and all of the other ways that I've done it. Why am I not trusting it? And then I realized it wasn't coming to me in the past in ways that I wanted it to come. Mm. It wasn't coming through an entrepreneurial business that I wanted to succeed. It wasn't coming in, the, I wanted more of it, right? So here I am looking at money and saying, money, you don't come to me as much as you want. I don't trust you. You're not reliable. And money and the universe say, your wish is my command. I'm going to continue to give you money is non-reliable money as non-trustworthy money is not enough so really look at it yeah really look at it. i'll give you a real life example from yesterday i've had this thing coming to me coming to me this the paper i hate paper i'm overwhelmed by paper <laughs> and finally i called it was a retirement fund something or other i'm like oh god what do i have to do do i owe some money what is this I had a 401k from 2013, a former job with $4,000 in it. And I didn't even know. Literally, this happened yesterday. And I called them. I felt so stupid. I'm like, tell me again, when was this set up? And I said, <laughs> 2013. So I'm telling this to everybody, to the world, how horrible I am at organizing. Um, I'm now going to transfer it to my current account and all that. But I sat there going, first of all, I felt so stupid. Literally, four grand has been sitting there and it's been invested in building, but like, I didn't even know about it. And, but then I said, wait a minute, because I did a meditation about money yesterday morning and here this shows up. Now, granted, they've been hitting me all over the head for a while, but finally it hit me like, okay, money is reliable. I'm just not seeing it. I'm just not looking. So I'll end on this part by saying that we don't need, I learned this recently, we don't need to create anything. You want to act. You want to intend. You want to start your podcast. You want to start that design. You want to hire people act. But when it comes to intention,
0: mm-hmm.
1: literally setting forward the intent to do something, to create a business, to get in better shape, to, to become a better employee, whatever it is, what that means is that that you, that script has already been written. You literally just need the course correct a little, you know, you're at 90 degrees, just tilt to 91 degrees and kind of focus this way. And that can kind of be the new you so you don't need to create you don't need to overhaul your life isn't done if you literally just course correct a bit and realize that there's a script that you can just kind of just kind of step into that um you can then get new things in your life
0: if it's not too personal would you be willing to share what you ask yourself during that meditation as you're approaching that concept of money So I'm sitting, no, no, no. So I'm sitting yesterday morning. We live here
1: in San Francisco and Mm -hmm. um, we're up on a hill. We look out on the Pacific ocean, family's still asleep. Um, I love my coffee in the morning and I'm sitting there and um, I'm feeling kind of, I woke up on a down, on a, just a down spot, just mind racing. I have to get my taxes done and it'll be fine. I'll get done, but you know, just, just down and money was definitely at the core of it. So I'm sitting there and obviously now I'm scrolling through my email. So things are getting worse and I'm just not going to go to the web news sites. Like I'm done with that. Then I'm down a spiral. It's 5.45 a.m., 6 a.m. I'm going to go run my dog. I'm up early. and But I know I have a call. I have something coming up at 8.30, I think. And so now I'm time pressured and everything. But I did see an email from uh, Ben Hardy, HRDY, who, who I read a lot. He's got a great book out. And what it showed was the simple graphic, which showed that um, confidence precedes success. Hmm. Wait a minute. And his whole point is to be confident first. Don't look at the money and then be confident. Don't look at the cars and the houses and then say, okay, I'm confident now. That's not how it works. We know many insecure rich people. Start with the confidence, which really means look inward. Really means the programming we're talking about and looking inward. And then success whether it's monetary or physical or whatever. So I looked at that, I leaned back and I said, right. It's just a little reminder. So then I, what I did was I is I closed my eyes and I have this this meditation that uh, that I've learned where I connect in a certain way to this non sort of dual non duality energy, really, it's just connecting. If you're a sports fan, it's just getting in the zone. That's really all it is. It's just getting in the zone. And I'm a sports fan. I'm a type A guy. You know, this whole touchy feely meditation, literally, when you see your 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 favorite celebrity actor, singer or sports figure, but when they're in the locker room, or when they're in the tunnel, or before they're going out on stage, when they close their eyes, and they get ready, they're meditating. Mm-hmm. It's for everybody. They are literally just rehearsing and visualizing what they want. Why can't we do it? Again, the people who made it, it's okay for them to do the touchy-feely stuff because they're getting in the zone. But for the rest of us, if we do touchy-feely stuff, everyone mocks us. And and now you're just right. So what I did is I just got into the zone at at 6, 12 a.m. And I shifted my mindset from, ugh, I don't have what I want. I'm down using this. Wait a minute. I am what I want. And that will lead to success. And I, it just, those, what was it? Confidence, those three words shifted my day. And then I connected, got in the zone, connected with an energy. And I said, okay, this is all working as I want. Something propelled me four hours later, as I'm going through my paperwork, after my calls to call, I called Casey Berman. You have $4,000 in this investment account. So Hopefully that helps, but that's an example of me literally in my robe before I shower, drinking my coffee at 6, 12 a.m., making a choice how I want my day to be. Um, and changing it from where it was going, which was kind of a downer, I'm a failure day, into something that um actually was extremely beneficial and positive.
0: What has your experience been like in trying to think of specific amounts? For example, You know, if you're looking for a client that can pay you $5,000, do you approach it through a similar lens as far as, okay, you know, during your meditation, it's like, how can I accept this? How can I get into the space? And then have you found that whenever you had a specific amount that you were focusing on, like, was it, was the likelihood of that happening that much higher or are you approaching it more from like a general point of view, like, you know, I want to have more money to be able to accomplish X, Y, and Z.
1: Mm -hmm. So that's a great question. So you can, I have, how do I wanna phrase this? I have done a lot of that where I want 10 grand a month, 20 grand a month, 30 grand a month passive income. If you don't believe it, it, it's hard for it to happen. And so, but definitely focus on what does you want? I want 20 grand in passive income. I think the before you do that for me at least I needed to believe it. I needed to feel worthy of that money. And part of the reason that I wasn't able to believe that I could make 20 grand a month, 30 grand a month, 40 grand a month, whatever your number is, is because I was kind of asking the wrong thing. Again, uh, if if you want to get in the zone, you want to focus on it the programming I had was, you know, Casey, you're not, you're not really worthy of 20 grand a month. Um, What I've realized recently, it was, it was Casey, you are worthy of this, but it's, it's, it's as an employee, it's as working for someone else. It's, Mm. it's in this way. And so, because I was beating my head against the wall of like, why isn't it coming this way? Why isn't it coming that way? Um, And again, being attached to the way the money is, is coming to me. So, I definitely visualize a certain amount that you want. I think the issue is it's one thing to do that consciously, but your subconscious might be saying, you don't believe that can happen. Mm -hmm. You know, that can't happen because Oleg Casey, whoever it is, you don't really feel worthy of 20 grand a month. Mm
0: -hmm. And this
1: is where to, to the beginning of resisting change. Part of the reason we resist change is because when things change, it's the unknown. It's, just inherently what's going to happen in one second from now. We don't know. I am thinking about the words I'm going to say, but really it's, it's the unknown. Well, the unknown is scary if we don't embrace right. it. Right. So it's scary. And we've been taught to avoid scary things. Now that was beneficial for us when we were two and six and eight and, and 15 years old, our parents saying yelling at us when we cross the street, don't get hit by a car or, or, you know travel uh, be careful or or you know don't lick that thing off the floor right like that helped us survive when we were when we were young but what that's done is it's told us also at age 27 37 47 and on that change is bad and be afraid of the unknown and so the one of the first things we need to do is to literally say to fear hey fear you you helped me when i was two to not eat that thing off the ground that would have made me sick Thank you. Appreciate it. At 14, you helped me avoid getting in that car because the person was drunk and I shouldn't have gotten in the car. Thank you for making me afraid. It kept me alive. But now that I want to make a career change at age 27, 37, 47, now that I want to start this side gig, you're preventing me from doing it because I'm afraid of social rejection. Mm. I'm afraid that it's going to take too much work. I'm afraid that what I'm going to create won't go anywhere and I'll have to kill it. So what? So if you do a podcast, you do five of them, six of them, and it doesn't go anywhere. So what? You just start anew. What's the worst that could happen? Mm -hmm. So what I want to say is that It's this fear of the unknown that's really preventing us from doing it. So when you're thinking of, I want 20 grand a month, isn't that great? Subconsciously, you're afraid of it because it's the unknown. It could be a great unknown, 20 grand a month coming in passive income. That's a great unknown, but Mm -hmm. it's unknown nonetheless. And our subconscious when it hears unknown, uh uh-oh, bad. So the point here to do is as you're visualizing whatever amount of money you want, to realize you have your foot on the accelerator and you have your your foot on the brake. And the foot on the brake is saying that's unknown. And you need to look at your subconscious and say, I know it's unknown, but I'm comfortable with it. And there's maybe some unknown now at age 37, 47 that I want you to make me afraid of to keep me alive. Still keep doing that. Don't make me make me be wary of that red pepper that I think is really hot and could kill me. Please put some fear in me for that. But as far as starting my own business, as far as thinking about making 20 grand, as far as dreaming, I know it's also unknown, but that's a good unknown. Let's distinguish. And so I I would say, please visualize, but in parallel with that, you have to believe it. You have to feel it and see what limitations there may be. Again, accelerator break that are kind of holding back on that 20 grand. So if you do 20 grand step, take one step forward, I'm thinking about 20 grand a month, but then you take 0.9 steps back because you're saying, well, it's unknown and I'm afraid of it. You're not going to get anywhere.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's so, so beautifully well, I mean, well said, almost out of words here (laughs) in describing that, but in all seriousness, the way that you just described that, that has been my experience because I remember when I was first starting the whole speaking career and I was so attached to having it, it has to come this way. And if the, if the gig doesn't come, you know, if I'm not able to generate this much from this particular gig, then there's no way I can get to the mountaintop that I'm striving for. And I, I think for me, what started to change is that even though I have a quote unquote specific price, so to speak, for some of these engagements, I also understand the power of staying open Yeah. because not everyone can meet you at your point. Yeah. Some people, some organizations can only meet you halfway or maybe a little bit below that. And I started to realize that, you know, as long as it's in alignment with what I'm doing and as long mm-hmm. as I'm able to actively practice what I'm doing, that's the thing that really made a difference in my life. And then choosing to step into that action, which you described very well, it's like it's one thing to think about it, but it's a whole other thing to start acting and start yeah. doing. And even in situations where I may not know exactly how it's going to come, or if it doesn't come from me booking 30 engagements at a, at a fixed price, maybe it comes at 50 engagements. Yeah. Maybe it comes at 100. But I think that overwhelming belief and almost like a moving target while I take the action, I realized that that's the thing that makes the difference, for me that's at right. least. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, and That's where I think it's like that's the – energy I think that you were hinting on like mm-hmm. tapping into because I, I mean I'm 110% with everything that you said yes. and I think that sense of confidence it comes from having a moving target but it's also about believing in it so much that that energy overflows the doubt mm-hmm. you know that oh it can't happen or I'm not good enough and maybe partially that is the concept of fake it till you make it to a degree. It is. Yeah.
1: I think, so for example, and, and I've just, no, you're totally right. And I, we just raised our prices for the leave law behind course mm-hmm. and to $2,000 and which is still in many ways a deal people have told me, but you know, I started when I was first thinking about it with my business partner, I was, he asked me, what do you want to charge for this a few years ago? And I said, I don't know, $97. I mean, he wanted to smack me. Like, what are you talking about? I just my and my issues with money have been reflected in 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 the pricing and how much I value what we put together. I mean, we literally are changing people's lives and helping attorneys to come from this horrible job they hate and move into 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 a career that that they love. And so this was a big change for me mm-hmm. to get it. We just we just raised it. And but I got into a point where I'm not afraid of it. I'm excited by it. I think what we I know what we produce is totally worth it. I know when people pay this money the the benefits they're going to get in their life are are going to be fantastic but this was a very big change and i think if you looked at me when i first started the online coaching course i would have said you're nuts like what are you doing no one's ever gonna buy right so that is a change that i've gone through recently and i think that you know to your point there's um the, this attachment to having it a certain way, my life has to make all my money from leave law behind. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do it. It has to be this way. I want this life. I want to be able to, to have Fridays off. I want to then be able to do this. And to your point, what do I know? Yeah. What do I know? I mean, I, do do I even know how to breathe? I don't actively breathe. My body does it for me. I mean, I don't spin this earth. I don't beat my heart. I don't do that. There's so much I don't, like I literally have no control. I'm not doing really anything, but that goes against the identity. Cause I want to be pulled up by my bootstraps and I'm in control of my life and I have led this right. So when I literally go down the road, I mean, literally start realizing that you don't breathe your body breathes for you. You don't beat your heart, you don't do this. You almost, your mind almost gets down cause you think like, oh my God, I'm not really doing anything. And there's an Emo Phillips, he's an old comedian, I'm dating myself, but I think he had this line, something like, you know, I started, um, I was listening, my brain was telling me what that, something along the lines of like, my brain was telling me that it was the most important thing until I realized who was telling me this. Mm. And I butchered it, but it's essentially like, your brain, your mind, Is a physical brain, kind of non physical mind, keeps telling you the intellectual, not the feeling part, but the intellectual. Keep thinking, think your way through it. Stop thinking your way through it. If you think you're going to attach yourself to things, it happens, has to happen this way. No, that's the problem. And I have just, I've spent so many years of my life attached to something. So, to your point, keep doing it acting, intending, power of your story, overcoming odds, whatever else comes out. But, and I've had this just recently, someone else come into my life with ways to make money and to help people in a way I kind of had dismissed. I wasn't even want to do that anymore. And here it appears, I can either resist it and say, no, 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 I do leave it all behind. That's all I do. You know,
0: or you can look at this and say, okay, here's, here's something else. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I think in regard to that, I've experienced the same exact thing uh, recently. I had actually a librarian contact me and he said if I was interested in facilitating a similar thing in, as far as the workshops go. And and in my mind initially, was like, you know, I've never really done that. That's an interesting field. But then at the same time, I started to look at it through the same exact lens that you just described. It's like, well, who's to say that the opportunities that you're creating have to come in the form that you envision to begin with? Like. Where does that even come from? And I think being open to whatever the opportunities come, because that, that's the other part of this journey that I realized. And I, I think I understand. I don't know what I understand exactly within it, but there's something that makes sense. It's like people come into your life at different stages and you never know who that person's going to be and you never know how they're going to come into your life. Yeah. I mean, you and I met from a phone call that started with Sejal who I had to meet through another connection and then I had to meet that connection through another connection. And it was a never ending chain. Yeah. Had one of those disrupted, we may not be having this conversation right now. That's right. And I think there's just, there's just so much power in being open and I love what you said about detaching and, and also differentiating, differentiating between attachment and connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's so key in, in regard to many of the concepts I'm even sitting here and, thinking about the different things that I would like to improve my mindset Mm -hmm. and perspective around money is one of them. You know, it's really understanding because I've tried many things throughout the book. I've tried the whole, okay, fix on a number and find a way to get it. I've tried that. Okay. This is the only way that's got to get done. And I just started to realize that at the end of the day, there truly is, in my opinion, there is no right way. There is no right answer. Because some of these things, I mean, how can I explain the fact that you and I met? Mm-hmm. Where do mm-hmm. I even mean, begin? You know, so I think it really just boils down to, in my opinion, like what is the reason that I choose to believe, and that's the truth that I will accept. Yeah. Well, and I would say, for you know, if you look at the
1: title of this, how do you respond to change? You could easily replace this: how do you respond to the unknown? Yeah, and people would say, oh, whoa, wait a minute, the unknown, like oh, that's kind of scary. I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, that's change. Why? Why are you afraid of it? Well, it's the unknown. Well, and so we attach ourselves to certain things that has to be this way because we're afraid of the unknown. We want it a certain way. Now for you when it comes to money, if we were to do some analysis on that, it would necessarily be like, well, let's start writing out some images you have of money. It could go from, you know, your background of of, you know, leaving your home country, the issues that you've had there. There are probably actual real events when your father or mother or someone mm-hmm. said, you know, I don't know, all rich people are greedy or your your dad was yes. going to get was going to get yeah. a deal. Your dad. And and so what you want to do is you want to say, OK, when I was eight ish or whenever it happened, we were at the dinner table and my uncle said such and such. And my dad said, you know, all rich people are greedy and they got into a big fight that made me feel. So when my dad said all rich and no offense to dads, no offense to anybody. When when my dad said all rich people are greedy, that made me feel afraid. Think about that event and what some of the meditation that I do. It's called the unseen therapist. There's there's a, a person out there who's who's done this. Google unseen therapist. It's it's a beautiful uh, meditative practice that I've done recently. And you literally hand that issue over because that's stuck energy. Mm-hmm. You hand that issue over to literally to, to God, the universe, the power that be, whatever you view it as, and you let that get resolved. You literally let it be. Okay, that happened when I was eight. It's programmed me this certain way, and then you let it go. Mm-hmm. And there could be 87 events. There could be 287 events through your life, thousands of events. You don't need to do all of them, but focus on some events. I've done this in in, in my life where I have thought about things that have informed me with money, things that have informed me with, with fear of the unknown, with safety, things along those lines. So my house was burglarized when I was, when I was younger, when I was nine. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to really focus on that as what did that mean as far as my goods? What does that mean as far as my stuff? I mean, there's, there's a level of fear and a lack of security I have carried for many years. It was fine. Our house was fine. They got in early. Part of me also said, compassion for people who had to go through all of this effort to break into a mm-hmm. house in San Francisco to steal. I mean, so I shifted this from a fear standpoint, which was understandable, to now being, okay, these people needed to go to these lengths just to make some money and to feed themselves alive. to survive, or they were programmed in a way, maybe they didn't have to go that lengths, but they were programmed in a way by the people around them that this is what you do. So when I shifted my focus on it and just sort of let it go, yeah, I still check the locks on my door and I still do something to my, the annoyance of my wife and my kids, but I'm, I'm more conscious of it. I under, I understand it. So I would say the same thing to you is like, look at these really painful things. These could call tears in your eyes, but whether it's for love Companionship, money, focus on these specific events. Um, I think Craig is his name, his first name or last name, the unseen therapist. It's blown my mind. Um, very simple. And what it does is it helps you because part of how we respond to change is in if we resist it, it's be, and don't embrace it. A lot of it is because we had literally specific events in our life yeah. that have caused us to
0: um to resist it. Mm-hmm. And I think the point that you just made about rich people are greedy. I, I can't, I, I'm definitely going, I, I'm taking this on as a challenge and you know know me well enough that <laughs> I, I will do it. And I'm doing it more so for myself. But I think that phrase, that's one of the things that I have heard so many times throughout my life. You know, don't get rich because then you will become that. Don't do this because this will result in this. And I, I'm just starting to realize that part of the blockage that's what ends up happening in the energy is because there's actually another thought, another event that's guiding it. That's but right. I'm, but I'm not recognizing it and I'm trying to operate from some other thing. And then the frustration and everything, it actually intensifies the like origin of that event even more, because then it's like, well, why is it not happening? Or well, I'm doing everything that I could, what's going on? But it's like, okay, you're not tackling this. So in the way, it's like two versus one. That's constantly going against it. So if you're sitting there, exactly, man. If you're sitting there and you're saying, I
1: want 20 grand a month, passive income, or I'll work for it from my business. This is how I want. That's that's the foot on the accelerator consciously. But then subconsciously, you're putting the foot on, on the brake, and you're saying, what are you asking this for? Yeah. You know if you make 20 grand a month, now you're going to be in the 1%. The 1%ers are total fill in the blank bad word here Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: you are going to become one of them or you're not really worthy of this money's going to change you Mm -hmm. all of that. I mean, it's just, that's called split energy. That's called um getting in your own way and getting in your own way really to define it means you're thinking two conflicting thoughts at the same time. I want 20 grand and to be rich. Uh, if I get 20 grand and I am rich, um, I'm a horrible person. Mm Mm-hmm. So then you redefine yourself with money and you need to say, okay, look, so how do we do this? I want that 20 grand. I need to pay my bills. I'm in the matrix here. Money is the energy that we use. I'm playing this game. I know I'm part of God. I know I'm one. I mean, this is what John Lennon, Bob Marley, all Disney talks about. We're all one. We're all energy. The message is right there. Yeah. I mean it's right there for us. We're all one and what does one really mean is we're all the same energy. If you imagine geysers coming out through the holes in the ground like at Yellowstone Park, it's the same water flowing underneath. It's just yeah. different holes that is right? It's the same water. We're all the same water. We're all the same energy even in our crazy media hyped um, dualistic you versus me, Democrat, Republican, Israeli, Palestinian, San Francisco Giants, LA Dodgers, right? Like well, the, the Dodgers I have an issue with, but besides everyone else. But but you know, it, it's this dualism when really we're all one. And so we can play the game, you know. Don't don't just be nihilistic and give up on life. Casey said we're all one, so why should I shower? No, no, no. Definitely shower and play the game, but like understand that we're all one here. This is what, what everyone is, is saying to us. Um, and so just, so when it comes to change though, realize though, that there's something, uh, inside of you that is, is putting the the foot on the brake. So focus on that. Let's, let's go back to money. I mean, let's make this real, right? How do we do this? You literally look at the, what is blocking me? Like you said, I want that 20 grand. I want to live in this world. It's a belief. It's likely a belief. It's energy. It's a thought. And really, thoughts come about because we have a feeling. At 6 12 in the morning, I had an ugly, just non beneficial feeling. And then I started thinking. And boy, my mind jumped on that. Ooh, I'm sensing butterflies in Casey's stomach. He's not worthy. He's not going to make money. Life is horrible. What's he doing? There's going to be another recession. You know, there's going to be another virus. Um, what's going on? And pff, I mean, my mind was like, whoa. And my coffee didn't solve it. So, I literally had to start feeling a different way. And I started thinking different thoughts, which then reversed the course and went down. So that's what if Beyonce is about to go on stage and all of a sudden she's like, I'm horrible. I can't sing. I'm going to trip. I mean, she's, she has to block those thoughts out. Okay. So, and she does. And so when it comes to money, then, for example, here, Go back to that painful point. Go back to those comments that were made and see how they feel, but then let them go and realize the belief system you have that rich people are bad isn't beneficial to you anymore. Who do you think builds churches? Who do you think builds synagogues? Who do you think builds mosques? Who do you think funds hospitals? I'm Mm -hmm. not saying we bow down and have a cult to rich people, but at the same time, there are so many really wealthy, rich people whose names aren't in the papers who
0: are helping so much. Mm Mm-hmm. Casey, tell me a little bit more about your course and other ways that people can kind of dive into this. I know that, correct me if I'm wrong, but Leave Law Behind focuses more on career transition, but I think everything that you've just described, if you haven't developed the course, (laughs) highly recommended because, I mean, this alone was a course, just the, the wealth of knowledge that you just gave through all of this.
1: Thank you. So I, thank you, Oleg. And I, I, would advise people to go two places if they want to interest more. First of all, if you're a lawyer or you know one, or even just want to read the writing, which can be applicable to you, go to leavelawbehind.com. I've been writing there for years and we have an online program, a ton of free resources and an online program. um, Think masterclass to help attorney career transition, to literally help uh, lawyers who want to uh, leave the legal industry and become something else. Um, We've helped over hundred attorneys to it. We have 250 people almost in the course and what people have become you know, VPs and tech, they go into operations, they go into sales, business development, recruiting, asset management, they get real jobs, uh, that, mm-hmm. that they love and enjoy and can kind of leave the stress of being an attorney. I, you can also find me at caseyberman.com, uh, my first name, last name.com. Um, I'm r- revising it there. And what has come to me is a lot of folks to your point, Oleg have said, Hey, mm-hmm. do you do this for non-attorneys? Can you help me also? And so I have a budding coaching practice under caseyberman.com to help software engineers, to help consultants, to help many other people to also leave their current job. Um, a lot of what we talked about now and find a role or career um, or also excel at their job in a different way. So you can find me at leavelawbehind.com or at caseyberman.com.
0: Hey, you're incredible. Oh. Like how? <laughs> however you got to that point, whatever the journey that you took, it, it really is fascinating to have this conversation because- I mean, as I'm sure you might be able to sense as well as many of the listeners, like we can have this talk for hours upon hours. But I think the way that you're able to understand the overarching perspectives and topics and then break them down into granular, like action-oriented steps, it's amazing. Like it truly is a skill. I mean, having done this myself for however many years, it's a skill. So, Oleg,
1: thank you. And I know we got to go, but I want to say two things. Yeah. In the past I would have gone, Oh, Oleg, thank you. No, not really. It's just whatever. I've worked hard and had my bumps mm-hmm. um, and, and, and bruises throughout my life. And that's true. And I still kind of feel that way, but I, we've been programmed to not be big. We've been programmed to be small in life yeah. and I'm kind of sick of playing small. And so I'm going to say, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I also in, in a very confident way, but not a conceited way, I'm going to say, yeah. Okay, I can do this. Like these are skills that I can have. And Oleg who whose opinion I respect, I appreciate that. So, I would advise you and also everyone out there that when someone really recognizes a skill and strength unless they're blowing smoke up your up your behind, <laughs> you know, unless they're doing that, like just don't be humble. There's no need to be humble. The world does the world wants you at your best. The world wants you at your best. I mean, think about the people making the COVID vaccine. Do we want them playing small? No, I want them at their best. My parents' life, our life depends on them doing the best vaccine out there, right? So what if Beyonce came out small? You want a a performance from her. So the same thing for us. So that's one. And the two, you mentioned journey. It is a journey. And I'll tell you what really opened my eyes was Mark Manson, this writer. He -hmm. wrote that happiness is the process of becoming your ideal self. That is so unsexy. That's so unglamorous. Process? Like what? Process? I like journey. I like adventure. But journey is about getting to an end state.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know? So for me, process was less glamorous. Madison Avenue can't sell you a process, but boy, they can sell you a car to go on your journey. But what hit me with it, what is so beautiful about his writing, is that it's literally rinse and repeat. It's just a process. It's steps. It's systematized. Think about the process you shoot the podcast or your email. I -hmm. mean, and what that enables you to do is scale. When you have a process of doing something, whether it's your taxes or taking your kids or something, when you have a process, everything just flows really well. Mm -hmm. And so- The process of becoming my ideal self, you mean I can scale, it can become easy, I can incorporate new findings in easily as opposed to resisting. So I'll stop there. But there were two things I just want to bring up there. And part of me able to do this is I went from viewing this as a journey, will I ever make it? Will that guy beat me? Will she beat me on this journey? To really understanding it's the process, it's rinse and repeat. Doesn't sound too sexy, but boy, is it fulfilling.
0: Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content as well as the latest episodes. Also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these courageous and inspiring conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you next week.